Okay, Daf Pei Test. We're going to have a discussion about Takonas Usha. The Gemara brought a story with her Shmuel Baraba's mother that tried to sell him her Nixe Belug while she was still married. And then when she was Nifter, her, his stepfather tried to come take them away. They had a discussion back and forth between all the Rabbanim, whether the stepfather's Kenyan HaPeris, his ability to use these Nixemilog, would prevent the mother from being able to sell them. Do we say Kenyan HaPeris is Kenyan HaGuf and that prevents the sale or not? The Gemara came out at the end that regardless of whether you hold Kenyan HaPeris and Kenyan HaPeris or not, by Nixemilog it's different because by Nixemilog we have a special Takonas Usha and Takonas Usha says that Chazal did not want her, even if you hold Kenyan HaPeris, and she could theoretically sell her out from other husband. Now, obviously, she's not really selling enough from other husband. While he's alive, of course, he still has the skus to use them. But the sale works when he finally gives up that permission, uh, the next, the Kenyan Paris permission. But Lamaisa, the Gemara said, Chazal said, no, no, we don't want to do that. And as Rashi calls it, Almua de Shibuda de Baal, they made his Kenyan Paris like it's a Kenyan Aguf, and therefore she cannot sell them at all. And if she tried to sell them in our case through Shmuel Abba, it would not work and it would go to the stepfather, anyways. Says the Gemara on the bottom of Pechesun Beis. I'm going to two lines up. I'm going to read the Baravan. Afanan Nami Tanida. Tanina. We can prove this idea of the Nixe Melug, this idea of Takaras Ushava, Nixe Melug, also from a mission. The mission says the following Aloha. Midim Anubi Ishplani Shagir Sashishtev and Asan Ksubasa. Two people come to Bezdin to aid them, and they say that Ruben divorced his wife. And that he has already paid her off everything. He's paid her off her ksuba, paid her off, gave her back her nixe meluk, her nixe tzayim barzel. They are totally done with Bezdin. Everything is taken care of. It turns out they're liars, that they're not divorced at all. If they were divorced, and really, and the Adam are only lying about the paying of the Ksuba and the paying of the Niximilog, then there's no debate. There's nothing to talk about. If it turns out the Adam are Zemim, they were trying to cheat her out of her Ksuba and cheat her out of her Niximilog and cheat her out of everything, then of course they would just have to pay that as Adam Zemim. But over here, it turns out they were never divorced in the first place, which means when the Adam came and said that she already got her Ksuba, and got her next name a look back, Lavdavka is that necessarily causing her any financial loss? Because it could be she will never end up getting the ksuba because she'll live a happy married life and she will die before the husband and never collect her ksuba. And it could be she will therefore never collect her nixim alug at all. So in that case, when the Adam have made her, lied and said that she owed, she had already received the ksuba and the nixim alug, what were they actually cheating her financially? How do we evaluate this kasha zama? Venimtsu zamim says the very Mishnah, that they weren't not causing her to full loss to the ksuba because it could be she was never going to get the ksuba in the first place anyways, could be she was never going to get divorced and she'll die before the husband. What we evaluate is how much someone would invest in a, what we call like a futures contract in her ksuba. How do you evaluate that? So her ksuba, let's say, is 200 zoos. So someone, and we don't know, she might get that or she might not, right? It could be in the next 40 years she'll get her ksuba. If her husband dies first or if they get divorced. Or it could be she'll die first and she'll never get her ksuba in the first place. So how much would someone pay now, right? So there's two calculations. A, there's paying now for money later. And B, it's a risk. You might not get it all. You evaluate. If the husband dies first or if they get divorced, then this buyer will get the ksuba instead. So whatever he pays. If you, uh, 40 cents on the dollar, so 50 cents on the dollar, whatever it is. 
Vimesa, but if she dies first, then Yosharabalad. The husband gets to keep the Ksuba and keep the Nechsemelog and does not give the Lokech anything. So it's a risk. You evaluate what that would be, and that's what the Edom Zemimim pay her in this case. That's Pshat in the Mishnah. Says the Gemara, If you don't hold of Takana Susha, which means if you hold that a woman could sell her Nichse Melug anytime she wants, right? Basically, then then at no risk, right? You're selling it Nichse Melug at no risk because it's a real sale. Without Takana Susha, she owns the Kenyan Aguf. She can actually go ahead and sell it. And she's preventing the husband from ever keeping it at the end of their marriage, however the marriage ends. In which case, don't tell me it has a risk-based factor of how much money she's owed over here. There's a real price associated with it. If she can really sell it, then there's real money. You don't have to do this fancy evaluation, you know, options for the future. She could sell it. Must be from the fact that the mission does not consider that option that she is impossible for her to sell her nichse melug because the prevents that. Therefore, the only thing she could sell is a risky option in those our whole discussion about about was can the woman who owns a Kenyan Aguf in the Nixemelug sell them yet now, yes or no? Without Takanasusha she could, with Takanasusha she cannot. But says Abaya, there was never any discussion about the other part of this about uh, her financial uh, investments over here, which are her nixay term barzel, the nixay term barzel, which she brings into the marriage. And we said when the marriage is over, she gets them back at the exact same price that they cost when she got married, regardless whether the up in price, down in price, makes no difference. It's called written into the ksuba. Those nixay term barzel are no question, ke'ilu, they're here, his. They are, it's not even like she has a Kenyan Aguf in them at all. It's mamish like she gave him a present called Nixit Term Barzel worth 500 shekel. And at the end of their marriage, he has to give her back a present worth 500 shekel. There's no question in that case she cannot sell her Nixit Term Barzel even without Takana Susha. You cannot sell your Nixit Term Barzel. So in terms of figuring out Pshat in this Mishnah, when the Mishnah says that the you do this evaluation, maybe the Gabi Nixemelug, you don't have to do an evaluation. Nixemelug, she could sell right now and get money and that's what the Adam have to pay her. But the Gabi Nixit Term Barzel, you're definitely going to have to do some risk-based evaluation because over there you cannot look at it as if it's something she could definitely sell because even without Takana Susha, she cannot definitely sell them. But she could definitely not sell them because Nixit Term Barzel are definitely considered the husband's totally. So therefore, the Abayah's point, yeah, we don't have a raya from that Mishnah to Takana Susha. Lamaisa, once you have Takana Susha and everybody seems to agree to it at this stage, then that would talk be shot in that Mishnah at all. The Nixit Term Barzel and the Nixit Melug, you would only be able to evaluate a few future investment in them, not the actual sale. Okay? So far, we have not tied this back to Baba Kama yet. Amar Abayah. Since now we're talking about this idea of a woman selling a futures contract in her ksuba and in her niximilug, name of a mill. So let me tell you a halacha about this, an interesting halacha. Even though normally we say when an isha works and earns money, that money goes to the husband. If she sells a futures contract, Tevis of her ksuba or her nixi, but look, and she gets money for that, she keeps that money. That money she gets to keep on the side in her own bank account. Why? If that money goes to the husband, so the Aden came over here and said, we say, testify that you lost, you already got your ksuba, and turns out they were lying. So what are you going to say? 
the, the fact that they, they didn't actually make her lose her ksuba, because you don't know if she's ever going to get a ksuba. What did they make her lose? Her ability to sell a futures contract in the ksuba? If that futures contract in the ksuba, when she sells it, the money goes to the husband, then she herself was not losing anything. For the fact that we make them pay her, must be that money must be hers. And therefore, that's the right. If you would have sold it for investment, the Baal would have taken the money from you. Must be the Baal does not take the money from you, and she gets to keep it. Even if the husband gets the money, it's still causing her some sort of, of uh, effect through this Edom Zemim, because if the husband has more money, then the house is better off, right? Even if it's not in her bank account. Even if when she sells this investment in her Ksuba, the husband takes that money, she does benefit from it. And therefore, the Edom Zemim did affect her. So you have no riot necessarily from that logic that the husband does not take the money, but we do paskin that if she does sell an investment opportunity in her ksuba or nixim or look to somebody else, she does get to keep that money in her own bank account. Not only does she get to keep that money, she doesn't even have to invest that money in something that would make profits and the husband takes the profits. You don't have to do that at all. My time, a payer took in the Rabbanon. If she has a field like Niximilug, so the husband gets the fruits and anything, crops that grow from that field. But payer the payer, they took the Rabbanon. Here it's the the, the investment money that she got from selling her Niximilug, which is already considered derivative, it's already considered a payer's, and now you want to take that money and invest it and make the husband get investment money from that, that's already considered payer the payer. That's two steps removed, especially in this case, where it's not even really Niximilug, it's just a side point for Niximilug. In that case, for sure, the Chesha says, Rav and Abaya, the husband does not get to touch this money at all. That point will come up in a second. Okay. Finally, now we get back to our Mishnah. What is this whole discussion about Niximilug and Takonas Usha? What does that have to do with our Mishnah? So now we can tie it back. Of Papa of they, we're learning by Rav from the base Medish. Amri, they said, Tanin la susha. I can prove to you also this idea of Takana susha from our Mishnah here in Baba Kama. The Mishnah says, that Evan and Isha who cause someone damage when you interact with them, it's dangerous. Why? If you hurt them, you have to pay. But an Isha or an Evan who does damage to someone, is they do not have to pay, as we explained, because they don't have any money. So let's focus on this idea of an Isha not having money. So we understand any money she brings into the marriage, that's Nixim Elug, or Nixitzer and Barzal, and it goes to the husband. So the husband has control of all of her financial assets. But wait a second. We just said... Maybe she could sell those niximilug without takana susha. She should be able to sell that niximilug, and that money is definitely going to be hers. So says, if you don't hold of takana susha, and the woman can sell her niximilug right now. Now, obviously, the lokech doesn't take it right now, but the lokech would pay for it right now. So tazbin niximilug titile. So why do you say that she doesn't have to pay to the nizik that she damaged because she has no money? She could have money. She could sell her nechse melug. And when she sells her nechse melug, she gets money, and that she can use to pay off the hezek she caused. From the fact that the Mishnah says she has no money, it clearly seems like the Mishnah's understanding, because of Takana Susha, she has no ability to sell those nechse melug. And if she has no ability to sell those nechse melug, she has no money at all. So, but wait a second. Remember, there's two ways you could sell nechse melug, as we've just been discussing. You can actually sell the nechse melug, 
And that's debatable whether you hold Takana Sushi, yes or no, would prevent that. But besides selling the actual Nixtebelug, you could definitely sell the Taivas Hana of the Nixtebelug, which is an investment, a risky investment, but an investment someone would make into a Nixtebelug. And that Takana Sushi doesn't stop. Right? Takana Sushi just says that if she tries to prevent the husband from being Yerisher after her death, Takanasusha says, we're not going to let you do that because we don't want you to sell it out from under the husband. But if you want to sell an investment opportunity that if the husband does not die, die second, if the husband dies first or if they get divorced and the woman's going to get back her next look, then you will give it to the Lokach. That, of course, you're allowed to do. That doesn't affect the husband at all. But that's a risky situation because maybe the woman will die first and the husband will take it. Okay, so that's a risk. But that's called Tevis not. So, in fact, well, wait a second. You just opened up an interesting question on our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says the woman has no money and she doesn't have to pay for any hezek she causes. So, I understand she doesn't have the ability to sell her real Nechsei Melog because Tekanah Susha blocks that. In fact, she can't actually sell them. But Tazban Nechsei Melog with Tevis she could sell an investment opportunity in the Nechsimilog, and use the money she earns from that, which Ravana Abayah just said she gets to keep that money. She should be be forced to do this and use that money to pay off the Nezek that she caused. Why does the mission say no? Every woman has Nechsimilog. Even if she can't sell them, she can sell an investment opportunity in them and make money and be able to pay off her Nezek. Why not? Says the Gemara, Ella, the last law. You know what the answer is? Our mission, you're right. If she has Nixim Elog, then she would be forced to do this to pay off her Hezek. When Amisha said Pikyas and Ra, it's because not every woman comes from a family that she has Nixim Elog. Because she doesn't have anything. She's a poor family. And therefore, Pikyas and she has no ability to work and earn money because that all goes to the husband. And she has no Nixim Elog. And that's what it is. And therefore, just like you tell me she doesn't have a Tevis Hanot to sell because she doesn't have any Nixim Elog, so that would also mean she doesn't have any real Nixim Elog. To sell, and this is impressive, she can't sell at all. So, therefore, it's no raya from our Mishnah to Takana Susha that she cannot sell them, because we're talking about a case where she doesn't have any at all. Okay, so therefore, you can get out of our Mishnah the reason she has no money or ability to make money is we're talking about a case where she has no Niximilog. Frank, wait a second. Every single woman, based on halacha, has a ksuba. And, of course, you can't sell a ksuba per se, but you could sell a tevas hanan ksuba. Any A woman's ksuba is 200 zuz. A man would come along and say, I will invest in your ksuba. Right? Maybe you'll get your ksuba, you'll get divorced, or maybe you'll get your ksuba because the husband will die first. In which case, I want to invest in your ksuba. I'll give you 40 cents on the dollar now for your ksuba. Okay? And she gets that money. So just like she could sell a Tavis Hanav vested interest in her Nixim okay, here she doesn't have Nixim fine. But she could definitely sell a Tavis Hanav investment in her Ksuba. That's no question. Everybody has that. So why do we say she has no money and she can't pay off any hezek she causes? She can, every woman has a Ksuba, and every woman could sell a vested interest and make some money that she would put in her pocket, in this case, pay off the Hezek. How come the Mishnah doesn't say you have to do that? It says, It says, There's a sheet of Remeir. We're handling more Ksubas. You're not allowed to stay married without the husband, the threat of a Ksuba over the head of a husband. If it's too, the whole idea of a Ksuba, says Remeir, is to make sure that it's not Kala Be'enav it's not easy for the husband to divorce his wife. The Remeir calls it Kala Shaya Isha Balai Ksuba, it's even calls it. And therefore, in this case, if she sells off her Ksuba vested interest, 
Lechaira, then she's Ke'ilu not having a Ksuba, and they can't live together. Frecht Gemara, why? But time am I. Right, the investment guy over here always catches the question. He said, the whole idea you're afraid of to make sure she has a Ksuba is the husband shouldn't be able to divorce her easily because he's going to have to pay a lot of money. Even if she sells that risk and she sells that investment to a third party, the husband's still going to have to pay the third party so it still serves its functional purpose of keeping them married because there still is a threat on top of the husband's head that he has to pay money. So don't tell me she's not allowed to sell that interest. She could sell it as long as there's a threat that the husband will have to pay it. That's good enough. So back to our question, why can't she sell her ksuba? And this would be what she uses to pay off the hezek. Alice says, more tevis, more tries another answer. Because there's no real money here. It's just, right, you try to explain to someone who doesn't understand the stock market or investments, the concept of it, it's hard to wrap your head around. So, like, you're not, what are you buying? Well, I'm buying a vested interest in a future. There's nothing there. There's no widget. There's no object. And therefore, it's nothing. Says the Gemara, something like that is not mishabed to the hezek. Why not? Yes, I understand there's no physical widget, there's no object, but it's something that's worth money. It's a concept that's worth money. And if it's a concept that's worth money, that money is Meshubid to her Hezek. Go back to our question. Why does she not have to sell her Ksuba? So I'll tell you why. Because we're afraid of Shmuel's halacha. What is Shmuel's halacha? If I have a star that Reuven owes me money, right? So Reuven gave me a check. Reuven gives me a check, which means that Reuven owes me money. I am now going to sell that check to you. In the old days, we used to have checks. In the old days, we used to sell checks. What? Promissory? Okay, promissory notes is like before my time. Okay, but checks... (laughs) But checks is something I can still relate to a little bit. Okay, not a lot, but a little bit. Okay, so checks. So Ruben gives me a check, which basically means he owes me money. And I'm going to sell that check to you. Okay, I'm going to sell that check to you. Maybe you're not going to take full value because it's a risk. You don't know Ruben. So you'll pay me some amount of money. If after I sell you the check I got from Ruvain, I'm Michael to Ruvain the check. That works. I feel Yerish Michael. And the middle party here, if he dies and, he's, and his son is Yerish, the Yerish can be Michael. Which means when someone is buying a third party check from you, that's a huge risk now. It's not just a risk of being able to collect from Ruvain, it's a risk that the middle guy can be Michael. And therefore, over here, says the Gemara, what are you going to do? You're going to go ahead and sell her ksuba. She's going to sell her ksuba to a third party. It, there's no question she's going to, as the Moses is going to say in a second, she's going to be Michael to her husband. Why not? Anytime you sell a third party chayv like this, once the guy gives you the money, okay, thank you very much, I'm Michael. And, says the Gemara, Amri, so what? Let's sell it. You get some money for it. If she does, she does. Like, what's the big deal? Some guy was willing to take that risk. Some guy felt that he was better friends with this Isha than she is close to her husband. And he felt he could risk maybe pennies on the dollar, but something. And if Lamaisa, she ends up messing him up, she messes him up. Big deal. Let's just do it so she can pay off the hezek. Says, I mean, no. There's no question in the world that if she has a choice to be Nemon to her husband, or Nemon to this Lekech who paid her the money, she's got to be Nemon to the husband. We're going to an Os Chazal, by forcing her to sell this, and collect a little bit of money to pay to Hezek, are going to be messing him up. And Rashi says, the industry over here is, because over here she doesn't really want to sell the Ksuba. 
Sometimes she's short on money, so she might want to sell it and she'll guarantee the guy won't be Michael. But over here, she doesn't want to sell the ksuba. She has no vested interest in selling her ksuba. She's using this money to pay off a hezek. So of course she's going to be Michael. Now, the Gemara looks at it in a funny way. The Gemara looks at it as, and therefore, if we make this guy pay her for the ksuba, it's not fair because then she's going to mess him up by being Michael. Right? We would have looked at it from our modern day financial perspective saying, it's not worth anything. No one's going to buy a piece of paper, a check or a promissory note, that you know for sure the guy is going to be Michael. It's impossible. So it does, it does, there's no possibility of a sale. The Gemara doesn't look at it that way, because maybe you'll hide it from the guy. I don't know. The Gemara assumes that why would we mess this guy up and cause him to invest in something that it's going to end up being worthless? says, so okay. So that makes sense. So therefore, we're back to our, where therefore it makes no sense for her to sell her ksuba to pay off her hesed. So, okay, I have a better idea. She owes Shimon 50 shekel for the hezek she caused to Shimon. Okay, so why can't she sell the ability to collect to Ksuba, this future investment, to Shimon himself? He has nothing to lose. Right? He'll pay her a few shekel. She owes him 50. He'll pay her a few shekel. Let's say 20 shekel he'll pay her, meaning he'll get to keep that 20 shekel now because she owes him the 50. And then if eventually later on the ksuba does come due, he'll be able to collect it. So why don't we force her to do that? If she goes ahead and meichel to the Baal, he's not any worse off than he is now. Remember, this Shimon over here, Lavdav, is he ever going to collect this money from her? Right? We said pigios and raw. It could be he'll never be able to collect the money. So why not at least give him the ability to collect the ksuba later on? It's, it's something. It's better than nothing. Why, why so, wouldn't the Gemara have a meaning that she sells it first to somebody else? Why not? Why did the Gemara entertain the thought that you could? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. There's no question. She'll be moichled. Vatshuchur beidin bechdila matrachinon. And therefore, we're not, don't waste my time. It's just a waste of time. The whole thing is worth nothing. We know it's worth nothing. We know no, it, it doesn't have any value whatsoever. And therefore, there's no purpose whatsoever even going through the motions. Says the Gemara. Okay. And therefore, you tell me now, the reason Pikyos and Ron, she doesn't have money, is A, her nichse malug, she cannot sell, because the Karasusha, or she cannot sell because she doesn't have any. One of those two reasons. And her ksuba, there's no function in selling because she'll for sure be meichel it back to the Baal, and therefore, it's not worth any money. Says the Melahad the Sani with the following Bryson. What if she injures her husband? Okay, so now, now it's working against him, right? So now she has no money. So she doesn't have to pay her own husband when she when she hits him over the head with a frying pan. Right? I have no money. And if I have no money, I don't have to pay anything. So now you could say, well, the husband says to her, listen, I know you have no money. But theoretically, I'm going to have to pay you a ksuba eventually, because especially when you hit me over the head with a pen. And therefore, and therefore, I want to deduct this from the future money of the ksuba. Right? So the Bryce says, you don't do that. Why not? Why don't we say that he could say, I'm never going to pay you the ksuba. The future amount of investment in your ksuba was 40 cents on the dollar. So it's worth $80 now. Your ksuba, which was 200, is worth 80. Fine, you damaged me $80, so I'll go ahead and, and wipe out the ksuba with the money you owed me. And what? You're afraid that she'll be Michael at him, and if she's Michael the Ksuba, he ends up better off than he was in the first place, because then he doesn't have to pay her Ksuba the Gamri. So that, that, that situation should work. So what's the Pshat? So I'm going to know. You're right. 
This Bryson, which says you can't wipe out the Ksuba, that's Shittas or Meirhi. Dama Adam, awesome, Shittas, Shishta, a few Shachas, play Ksuba. Because then she will not have a Ksuba. Taisa's asking about Aleph, why don't we just say that at the beginning? Okay, but we'll get back, we can get back to that if we have time. But the mice over here, if she ends up wiping out the Ksuba because of the Chavola, then you're stuck without a Ksuba. Because over here he'll be easily divorced her because he doesn't have to pay the ksuba because the ksuba was already wiped out by the hezek she owes him. And therefore says the chazal, according to the mayor, we don't allow him to collect that chavola in place of the ksuba. He's always going to have to pay the ksuba. And then if she has money later on, she can always end up paying for the chavola, but not wiped out in the ksuba itself. So wait a second. Hold on. Even if you say he still has to pay her the ksuba, but Lamaisa, he's incentivized to divorce her. Because right now, when they're married, he can't collect the money for his doctor bills. And as soon as he divorces her, and she earns her own money, she could. So you're not accomplishing anything. Because Lamaisa, the whole idea of not collecting the ksuba, of not leaning this on the ksuba, is so they should have an incentive to stay married. He and he wants to divorce her, so he could collect this hezek, which while they're married, he cannot collect. Some of that's true, but it depends how what the offset is between how much he owes her in Aksuba and how much the Hezek is. It depends. Right? If the Ksuba is 200 and the Hezek is only 50, so then it doesn't pay to divorce her so that you can collect the 50 Hezek and then you're going to have to pay her the 200 Ksuba. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. Fine. So, so far we've come out that both these, both these things, there's no idea of selling the ksuba. You can't sell the ksuba to a third party because it's not worth anything, and you can't sell the ksuba to the husband because we don't allow you to. Now, wait a second. If you ever been at a, a chasana, they read the ksuba. And they say, chutz, min, the 200 that you're supposed to owe her, I'm also going to put another whatever, you know, $100,000 or whatever. Haisef means delay, kesef skukin, he's going to give extra money. Now, wait a second. That which a mayor said, you have to have a ksuba in place to be able to make sure they stay married, is only the core ksuba, not the teisephus ksuba. That extra money, she should be able to sell a vested interest in, says the Gemara, v'nafesh ksuba, so ksuba daraisa, if her ksuba is more than a regular ksuba, nukma ksuba daraisa, why don't we just say, okay, the 200 you have to keep in place, v'idach tizmanahid b'chavaleh. And the rest of it, whatever it is, she should have to sell a vested interest in that to her husband. In this case, where it's to the husband, she should deduct that from that because she doesn't have to pay her that. Somebody, you're right. Going to the office, she some ksuba deraisa. Right, we're talking about a case where it wasn't, and therefore, if it wasn't, so then there was nothing left to do. which is hundred zuz, so it doesn't make sense to do this. Okay. Says the Gemara, Elohad de Sanyo. We have an interesting brisa. The brisa says, Kishem Shalay Timkar Vitachtov. Just like we said over here, she should not go ahead and sell her and sell the ksuba while she's married. Kachloy Tafsid. Very strange term. She should not be mafsid the ksuba. Okay, she cannot sell it to the husband, we said, because then she's going to be left without a ksuba. So she also cannot be mafsid the ksuba. Now, the Havamin is, what does it mean, Mafsa de Ksuba? That means if she owes money to somebody else for a Hezek, we don't want her to sell the investment in the Ksuba to somebody else so that there she will be able to live by the husband. Says, well, wait a second, it's not really true. Vitachtav. Was in the Mishkachas of the Mafsa. Sometimes she could sell it. Veichidami, If she has a very large Ksuba, then we just said the only reason it doesn't work by the Baal, because we're talking about a case where she only has a core Ksuba. But if she has a large Ksuba, she should have to sell 
the money above the hundred or two hundred of Samar or Absula, that extra money, she should have to sell a vested interest in that and pay off a Hezek. Pay off a Hezek to her husband, pay off a Hezek to a third party, whatever it is, she should be able to sell it. There's no reason not. So says the Gemara, why is the price saying light top says she's not allowed to sell it? Look how she could sell if it's money above and beyond the Kork Suba. Samarava, no, 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 you totally misunderstood this part of the Brisa. When it says she's not tafsid, Kuzubas has nothing to do with selling. She could sell the money above and beyond. We said to a third party, it won't help because she might be to her husband, but to her husband herself, his self, she could be sell that extra money above and beyond. That's totally fine. What this Brisa meant when it said tafsid, Kuzubas was a whole different point. We discussed in Mesach of Kuzubas at great length this idea of Kuzubas benin dichrin. Okay, what is Ksubis ben Dichrin? It's a little tricky, let's just keep track. Ksubis ben Dichrin says, if a woman is married to a man, so now normally, if they, he dies first, or if they get divorced, she gets her Ksuba. Okay, if she outlives the husband, okay, eventually the husband dies, who gets all the husband's money? The Yarshim, the kids, which assuming there's only one marriage and one set of kids, simple case. What about a case where a man has two wives? Okay, he has two wives, maybe in sequence, maybe not, doesn't matter, he has two wives. And he has kids from both the wives. One wife, he gave a 200 shekel ksuba, the core ksuba. One wife, he gave a 500 shekel ksuba. Okay, so if he ends up dying first, one wife would get 200, the other wife would get, like, Rachel would get 200, Leah would get 500. Turns out that he did not die first, he did not get divorced, right? That the, the, woman, the women died first, and the husband outlived all of them. Okay, now at 120, the husband dies. And he has kids from Rachel and kids from Leah. Okay. So theoretically, what should happen is, whoever are his children, they get a ksuba for a kilo of their mother, and the other ones from the previous marriage, they just get the Arusha and you split it up. The male sons, that in this case, what happens is, when the husband finally dies at the end, after both women, each set of sons, ki'ilu, before they split the Arusha, they get their mother's ksuba's interest in the husband's estate. So if one was supposed to get, excuse me, if one was supposed to get 200, then Rachel's kids take 200. Leah's kids, who was their mother was supposed to get 500, never ended up happening because it was never Nagea. They now take 500. Whatever is less from the estate, they split evenly, right? Amongst how many children there are, whatever it happens to be. But before you split the estate based on Dini Yerusha, you deduct the, and the mother's ksuba from each one, and that goes to each one's family. That's called ksubas benin dichr. Now, what? Sons. sons, yes. Okay. Now, what about a situation over here where she sold a vested interest in her ksuba? She already sold the vested interest in her ksuba as a, at a risk, right? She sold it as a type of to somebody else. So now, in this case, she never ends up getting the ksuba, right? They were not divorced, and she died before the husband. So that lokeach lost his money. Does her kids now also lose the ksuba? Can the rest of the family say, hey, your mother sold the ksuba already? That Lokech was supposed to come get it. He lost his opportunity because she never got it. So that includes the Ksubas and are gone too. Says our Gemara, no. Amarava, say for us, the Ksubas and Dechen, Vachiktan. Keshem Shemecheres, Ksubas Lacherem, Loyev Sid, the Ksubas and Dechen. Just like when she sells it to a third party, that only affects her ability to collect her actual Ksuba. But if it's not the actual Ksuba, Ksubas and Dechen, which is only in place of the Ksuba later on, that the children do get. My time is Zuzu Dianse. It's not like she was giving, she wasn't being Michael her Ksuba. She just needed cash now. So she sold the investment opportunity in it. But it's not like she was Michael the Ksuba. 
So even in a case where she hit the husband over the head with a frying pan and she was and she was meicher to him the extra money in the ksuba above the two hundred, which she said she's allowed to do, that is not a mechila. She's not being meicher the whole ksuba. And if in the situation where it ends up the husband ends up outliving all of them, then the ksuba from still goes to the children. My time is zuzu diance. She wasn't being meicher it; she just needed the money to pay off for the damage she did to the husband. And that's all the price is talking about. When it comes to money she owes the husband directly for Kavala, if it's money above and beyond the Kork Suba, that they could deduct and that you could wash away with the Hezek that she owes to the husband. Getting back to Takana Susha, Lema Takana Susha Tanoi, this idea of whether the Isha can sell the Niximilog and who's the Bailam of the Niximilog? Is it her or him? Kenyan Paris, Kenyan Haguf, or in this case, do we say that her Kenyan Haguf is irrelevant because she cannot sell it because the Takana Susha is a Machlaikis Tanoi? This Tani Chada, Evid Avde Milog. What if she brought Avadim into, Avde Kanani, Evid Kanani into the marriage as if they're Avde Milog? So Yoitzim B'Shem Rai, we know the halacha is, if an owner pokes out the eye or makes someone deaf, we talked about this earlier in the at great length, of an Evid, the Evid goes free. If a stranger does it, you don't do anything, you just pay the Hezek to the owner. Who is the owner of these Avad, the Vidine Shein The Isha or the Ish? The woman or the husband? So the halacha says like this, one Brisa says, Avdeh Melug Yoitzim B'Shem Isha, she is the owner of, the, of these Avadim, and if she knocks out their eye or makes them blind, etc., they go free. The husband has nothing to do with that. Husband's considered a stranger. Neither one of them are considered the Bailam. So we have a Machlaikis in the, in the Brysa. What's the Machlaikis? So we're assuming the Kuliyama Kenyan Paris Lavke Kenyan Aguftami. We're assuming we pass like we're Shlokish, Kenyan Paris Lavke Kenyan Aguftami, and therefore we don't say that his ability to use these Avde Malug are going to make him a Bailam. He's not a Bailam just because he can use them. Kenyan Paris Lavke Kenyan Aguf. She is the owner of the Avadim. So the wise the other brides to say that no one can go ahead and free the Mashem Bayin. So my love, come in for me. The man Isha, lest I take on a Susha. So therefore, she is the owner of this Kenyan Aguf. She could sell it to anybody she wants. It'll take effect only when the husband uh, is out of the way. But she could sell it now. She could sell it now. She's the Bailam. She's the Bailam. She knocks out the eye. The Evan goes free. The husband has no Kenyan here whatsoever. He knocks it out. No Bailas. But the Bible says, neither one of them is the Bailam, is like Takonasusha. And he also a Takonasusha. So Takonasusha says, the husband is not the owner, because he only has a Kenyan of Paris. She's not the owner, because her Kenyan Aguf cannot be actually done anything with, because Takonasusha blocks her from selling it. So there's no owner for Dine Shein Vayin over here. Right? Everybody only has a little piece, and it doesn't work. So that's the Machlaikis. It's a Maladavka. Look. Another way we can explain the Machlegas is, the Kuliyama is Takana Susha, and she's not allowed to sell it. Before Chazal made the Takana, she was the Bailam. After the Takana, she's not the Bailam anymore. And that's the two prices. Iba Yisem, another way you can explain it is, so, if she's not allowed to sell it, why is she considered the Bailam? Rava says a special halacha that if someone has a, normally, if someone has a shibud on your nechasim, 
you know, you can go ahead and sell those nechassim, but that person who has the shibud, the malva who you owe the money to, can go collect from whoever you sold to. But if I'm maktish those nechassim, let's say he has a shibud on a cow, and I'm maktish the cow to be a carbon, that wipes away anybody's shibud. Just Kedusha's a goof, the Rashi points out, maktish is better kabayas, Kedusha's a goof wipes away that. Okay, another case. If a guy has a shibud on something of mine that's chametz, and it comes Pesach, and now it becomes Asr Wipes away the guy's shibud on that, right? The guy has no shibud on something anymore. Chometz is mafkiyamidei shibud, and says Rava, shichur is as well. If someone has a shibud on my eved, and I go ahead and I free the eved, so then that wipes off any shibud that anybody has over here. So here also says the Gemara, that's what's going on over here. The Maniyama that says the isha can free the eved, she's considered a bailim. It's because she, even though you're right, she cannot sell the eved. But she can be mashachar the evan, and since she can be mashachar the evan, and the husband cannot stop that, all he has is a lien. And shichar is mafkiyami de shibud. Therefore, she's considered the bailim for that, and therefore she would still be in the parsha of shein vayin. So therefore, we'll stop here. We'll pause here. We'll pick it up here tomorrow in this discussion. But that could be another reason why the woman's takana over here doesn't still. She's even if with takana susha, she's still considered to be the bailim.